This is AI Podcast. Not artificial intelligence, agency intelligence. Our team's going to be 10 times stronger than all the other teams. A platform for agents. When people think of niche marketing, they're thinking so small scale. In real life agencies, sharing their thoughts. All you need to do is get in front of more people. To transform an industry. Better coverages, uh, better pricing, better everything. Real difference between givers, takers, and matchers. Agents. I guess I took a slightly different path coming to the agency. I know a lot of agencies. You can partner your clients with those companies that are looking for that specific target market. This is AI Podcast. Are you ready? I am. Let's go. Hey, 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 loyal listeners. What's up? This is Agency Intelligence Podcast, where we give you real agents inside real agencies, giving you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial that the industry tries to make you believe. This is Jason Cass, and today I have Mr. Grant Botma on. This is going to be a good one. Immediately when you hear Grant, you're just thinking culture, right? You're just thinking rock star. You're thinking a tall dude with golden locks. That's what you're thinking. And if you are, it's going to be all that stuff. But before I get to Grant, AIBrainShare.com, AIBrainShare.com, October 25th, the 28th, registration is open at this time. I'm being serious that right now the master, it's on, uh, it's May, it's March 4th. So the registration is open to the mastermind. We have a ton of people. I know it's north of 30 or 40 that have already signed up. So I'm telling you right now, it's uh, the registration for everybody else opened up March 9th. So it's probably already opened up um, when you're hearing this this podcast. Get out there, go to AIBrainShare.com, put your name on the invite. I've given out 183 invitations so far to 100 for 150 seats. AIBrainShare.com. Grant Botma, how are you doing, sir? Man, well, I'm doing great now that you've described me as the tall guy with golden locks. I kind of feel like, uh, <laughs> you know, re- remember the Titans, uh, the quarterback? They called him Sunshine. You know, he was the good-looking kid from California who came on the team. Like, can that be me for this podcast? That'd, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, I thought so. I thought so. Sometimes I don't know where it comes from, Grant. It just it just comes out. You know what I mean? I just come. I see it in my head, and I'm thinking that. I'm thinking that. Great, man. Thanks for coming on, dude. I, I greatly appreciate it. My loyal listeners have reached out to me numerous times asking to get you onto the podcast. And there's a lot of other great people that I haven't had on as well. I just have a I have a method to my madness, and that's why – when I reached out to you, I just said, hey, man, it's time. You know, it's time. And I'm, I'm really excited to have you on. So thanks, man. Oh, yeah. It's an honor to be on for sure. And, and my goal and my hope today is that uh, I'm able to add as much value to your audience as possible and genuinely trying to help and encourage them. And yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm excited. So thanks for having me on. I love the word encourage. Everybody wants to have encourage. Everybody, everybody loves to be encouraged. Not much uh, negative in that word. But I will ask you this. iPhone or Droid user? iPhone. Yeah, iPhone. What's the last app you downloaded? Uh, the last app I downloaded was the Orange Theory Fitness app. Uh, they've got a new app, and I'm I'm the guy who works out at Orange Theory with the rest of the soccer moms. So yeah, Are that's you? me. Oh, you, yeah. and David, you and David Carruthers, he said that that's where he goes to, all the soccer moms. He says he tries to wear leotards like they do just to fit in and stuff. And, and dude, he's hilarious. He cracks me up with that stuff. Yeah. I guess there is a bunch of soccer moms that go there because everybody that and every guy that I know that goes there, that's what they all say. So that's pretty cool, man. You know what the the truth behind it is? You're at work. You're you're 
thinking and grinding and doing everything that you can to make an impact on your community, trying to grow your business. Uh, and, but you know, you need to work out, but you just, you just don't want to think about it. So for me, Orange Theory Fitness is in the same parking lot as my office. So I've got zero excuses not to just walk down there nice. and I don't have to think about my workout. I just show up. They tell me what to do and I do the thing and I leave. And, uh, to, to not have to waste the, the mind, uh, calories of, of, you know, yep. what do I got to do or how should I work out today? It's, it's a big benefit to me. And I'm a huge fan of it as a result. Yeah. And you know, you're getting good advice. So it's actually working on the things you probably should be working on rather than just inventing things. That's a good point, man. Hey, as long point. as I don't uh, blow out my back at when I go pick up the Legos off the floor, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be fine. <laughs> you're right about that. You are right. Would Let's see, skill or luck? What you believe has led you to where you are today? If you had to pick one out of the two, skill or luck? You know, I uh, wouldn't say it's either of those. I would say it's other people. Uh, it's, it's been other people that has helped me arrive to where I'm at today. So I don't know if that is skill and I don't know if that is luck. I think there's probably more luck to that than anything else. But I've just been very, very fortunate that I've had a lot of really wise people um, that have come alongside me and uh, mentored me and loved me and helped me from the time when things was really weird when I was a little kid. You know, my, my dad was in jail and my parents were alcoholics and, you know, there was this divorce thing and my mom was just trying to figure things out on her own as, you know, raising seven kids and not really having a good job because she didn't have any, like, she didn't have a degree and all she did was, was watch us kids for 20 years, you know? So it was rough, man. It was, it was really hard time in life, but, but, uh, I was grateful that, that I had some people come alongside me and, and, and love me and just mentor me and lead me. And from, from then all the way through to, to college and even now as a business owner, I've had people in my life to come alongside me and set me straight and give me great advice. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. That's, that's 100% sure. Where were you born? I was born in Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, but I grew up in a town on the west side of Arizona called Buckeye. And mm -hmm. that's like when you're driving on the I-10 from Phoenix to California. Uh, it used to be just this little farm town. Uh, so mm -hmm. I grew up on a on a dairy farm. I was a farm boy. and uh, But now it's it's kind of booming and, and there's houses and developments and things happening out there. But yeah, man, Arizona, born and raised, still living here. Dude, 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 you don't understand. Like as you're talking, how parallel our lives have been. How old are you, Grant? I am 37 years old. I'm 37. I'm 41. So I was born in Maricopa County Hospital. Oh, no way. Yeah, I was born there. I was raised there. And then my mom, my mom and dad got a divorce. Very, very similar um, thing. She got remarried to a gentleman. We'll talk about that if it comes to this isn't about me, but um, very similar. He left my mom after 15 years. We she had three kids and didn't have a degree, never worked. Very similar to some of the stuff that you were talking about. And so uh, one of my first jobs was milking cows out on a dairy farm. And I did that for two and a half years. And no way, uh, man. I'm not even joking with you, dude. In Arizona? No, 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 no. This was in oh, Illinois. Okay. This was in Illinois. Okay. This was okay. in Illinois. And so, no, as you're talking, I'm like, holy cow, he's got golden locks like me. I'm not tall, but he's good looking <laughs> like me. I mean, damn, we're, this is, we're rolling here. You know, I mean, man, this is, this is crazy. Anyways, I'm glad we're doing this dude. And, and so are the loyal listeners. This is good stuff. So, um, take us back. You did give us a little flavor already, but take us back from the time you were born, bringing us forward, you know, high school, college. How did you get where you are now? Yeah. So I, uh, grew up in a, 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 uh, 
as, as a farm boy, like I said, middle of seven kids. And um, what that does to you is it's hard to, to not, you know, to, to grow up on a farm and, and leave that without kind of knowing and seeing and experiencing work ethic. You know, I said, you know, my parents were both alcoholics. They divorced. My dad ended up in jail for a while. And it sounds like oh, I had bad parents, but I really didn't, man. They, they loved me. And I never doubted that ever. Um, and both of them were unbelievably hard workers. So when you grow up on a farm like that, you, you watch it and you see it. Uh, to be honest, by the time my dad had to give up the farm in bankruptcy, I, I was so young that I never really had the opportunity to exhibit that work ethic. It was more of me watching that, right? So I was able mm -hmm. to see work ethic and the hard work that they had to do and the time that they had to put in. As business owners and, and people who are entrepreneurs or even just insurance agents, there's times where we just have to grind where we're working sun up to sundown and, and, and even beyond that, right? And that was true yeah. of the farm as well. Like you, you, there are times and seasons based on harvest and different things happening, maybe with the weather or whatever else, where you're just working, working, working all the time. So it, that was not like it, I didn't grow up thinking that was weird or odd. I, mm -hmm. to me, what was weird or odd was like the nine to five. Like, oh, you, you show up and you eat breakfast at home, and then you go to work, and then you come home in time to just hang out. Like that, that was the weird part to me. Right. So growing up in that, I, I, I was able to see work ethic was a very, very important thing. And then we thought we had money. My, my dad wasn't super wise with finances. There was some weird stuff that was happening um, in the late 80s and early 90s in the dairy business. And I don't, I don't understand all of it again, because I was so young. But as part of some of the things that were happening and things that were happening with banks and the price of milk, we ended up being pretty poor. And there was some stress on our family and uh, things didn't work out between my parents. And then my dad, again, ended up in jail. So, so it's just my mom and she's trying to raise us kids and she's just trying to figure things out. And I remember like, oh man, there's quadruple coupon day. Let's get to the grocery store like now uh, so that we can try and get, you know, some lunch meat for next to nothing. Or I remember counting how many microwavable burritos were in the freezer before my mom got paid again to make sure that we would at least be able to eat, you know, prior to her payday or, or making sure during the summer because she ended up getting a job at, a, at the daycare for the grade school in the summer, she wouldn't get paid. So it was like, all right, well, we got to find out at what park is the feeding program going to be at today so that we can walk down there and get some, get a meal, you know? So it was really a weird life. And, and that was when, uh, during that time we were living in the city, like in, in near downtown Phoenix. So I went from like farm life, working real hard, thinking that we had money to now I'm in a single parent household, uh, trying to make sure we just get food to eat that day in like the parts of the ghetto in Phoenix, you know? Uh, so it was really, really weird. But as a kid, you don't like absorb it and thinks it, think it's like bad. Even now, just talking about it out loud, I just think about how amazing some of those times were. Like how cool was it that I, I was a kid that was able to grow up on a farm, but then also grow up in the city too. You know, like yeah. I had a basketball court right next to my house that I could go shoot at whenever I wanted, which then led to me being able to play basketball in college. It's like it, it was just it was cool. There's a lot of things that I had learned. And one of those things that I learned uh, through that time that was kind of tougher for my family was, man, finances are a big deal. Money's a big deal. And it makes an impact on people's lives. And, and you really have to be wise with that stuff. Yeah, man, it, it, it was a crazy time. Then now going into high school. Um, I'm 15 years old. Discover card has like this job fair at my high school. And, mm -hmm. and I would, was looking to get out of class 
So I participated in the job fair. And even though I wasn't of age to go work there, they, I was able to participate. And what they did is they uh, did this like mock a phone call, like a fake phone call. And I, and I did the phone call. And the next thing I know, I get home and there is a message on the answering machine where they're asking my dad if I can come work for, for them. Uh, so, wow. Uh, yeah. My, my dad gave permission obviously to, to go do that. And uh, so then I, I get a job at discover card and I ended up doing pretty good. I, I was a credit card collector and I had this different approach, Jason. Like I wasn't that guy who was going to call people and say, Hey, you owe me money, pay or else, you know, uh-huh. um, I couldn't do that uh, for a lot of different reasons. But one of them is because I was 15 and, you know, I, I sounded like a little girl on the phone and I just didn't have <laughs> the, the, I didn't really have any sales skills or abilities and never done it before. So what I kind of realized is that, man, if they're late on a credit card, they're probably late on a bunch of stuff. And knowing that my mom and what she kind of went through and her finances, I'm like, man, there's gotta be a reason for this. So when I called people, and they owed money. I never asked for it on the first call. I just asked what happened. Why, how, 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 you know, what, what, what's going on in your life? You know, how, how did you become past due on this credit card? Sometimes it was, just, oh, I just forgot. I'll pay right now. But other times it was like, oh, I lost my job or I got injured or my grandma just died or whatever was happening. And then I just take crazy amounts of notes, right? Mm-hmm. And then every time I would call back, I would mention what I wrote in the notes. And then after a few months, the next thing I know, my inbound line is just blowing up. I just never have time to make outbound calls because all the people, whenever they finally got money, of all the people that they were past due on, they were calling me because I cared about them. Wow. And I took time I like to listen that. to them. So now I'm at Discover Card as a 15, 16 year old kid, and I'm earning more money, winning all the awards beyond, and I'm only working part time, and I'm doing this against adults who are working there eight hours a, a, a day. All because and, you cared. Yeah. And, and and it's I'd love to say, Jason, I was like some smart kid who came there. I know I just did it because that was like kind of my only option, but I learned through it, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so I have this great job. I'm earning a good income. And now I'm 19 years old, <laughs> just graduated high school. And we take this trip with our church for all, you know, for all the high school kids to go to California. And when you drive from Arizona to California in one of those 15 passenger vans, you try to fit as many people and things in as you can. And everybody's got to take a turn sitting on the, uh, sitting on the the hump up front. Right. Gotcha. And I'm sitting on the hump and here comes the, the youth leader. Every time, if you're sitting on the hump, he's just going to grill you. He's going to try to make all the other kids laugh and it's going to be great. Totally. So, uh, he's like, Grant, you, I see you've got this car and you've got money. Like, what are you doing? You know, I'm like, oh, I'm a credit card collector. He's like, great. Let's <laughs> pretend like you're going to collect money from me. So he just, oh, he was hilarious. The kids were laughing and like he was being so funny as to why he's past due and all this stuff. But eventually I got him to pay me and uh, <laughs> we we get out of the car. We're going to like Wendy's or something on the road trip. And he pulls me aside, says, hey, Grant, I need to talk to you when this trip is done. And I said, okay. And I just didn't think much of it. And the trip's over. And he's like, hey, I still, I really want to talk to you. And, and what he did was, uh, I didn't know this, but he owned a mortgage company. And he pulled me aside and said, I want to teach you the mortgage industry and I want you to come work for me. So as a kid who just turned 19, I got a shot in the mortgage industry and decided to forego college and um, uh, jump into the mortgage industry at the time. So that's kind of how I got my start nice. in personal finance. Nice, nice. 
And then, and then where'd we go from there? You jumped in and then kind of got into that. So how did we get to the agency you own today? What's that look like? Well, uh, so from there, I, I grew up in, in a Christian household. I, I grew up going to church. I, I went to a Christian grade school, kindergarten through eighth grade. And now I'm, I'm you know, 19 years old, working in the mortgage industry. And s- some things happened in my life where I just got, I, I was just questioning things. I'm like, what is life about? What is going on? Why am I here? Because things kind of spun in a way that was different than I had guess anticipated. By that time, I thought I had everything figured out. You know, it's still my problem is pride and arrogance, you know? Mm-hmm. And I opened the Bible and I started reading it and I'm like, what? It says this, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, but I didn't realize that it said all the things that it said because I never read it on my own. I just listened to people preaching, saying, telling me what it said. And then when I read it on my own, I was just like, what is going on? This is amazing. And I got so passionate about what it said that I used Google for the very first time ever. I guess I'm showing my age. I go to my, my computer in my apartment. I type in, you know, I didn't know if it was a thing or not, Bible colleges. So where, where's the college that I can learn more about the Bible? And there was one just down the road from my apartment. So I literally <laughs> probably left the door open, uh, walked down there, and I show up on campus and I'm like, hey, I want to learn, learn more about the Bible. You guys do that here? And they're like, yep. <laughs> and I'm like, cool, sign me up. They're like, uh, school starts next week and it costs this much. And I'm like, right, where, who do I write the check to? You know, so I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to go. And uh, so I, I made it happen. I, I get out of my lease at my apartment. I move on campus. And I thought I wanted to be like a youth pastor because I thought uh, my youth pastor was really cool and I wanted to be just like him. But right. after like a couple of uh, months of volunteering at churches and, and, and working at or, or learning at the Bible college, I, I still really felt this passion about money. And I was seeing as working as a mortgage guy, like all these people in the mortgage industry at this time, they were putting our community, our society in these really bad mortgage products just so they could earn extra commission, just so they could, you know, uh, qualify for this trip to Puerto Rico or whatever. And it was terrible. And and, and then I'm watching these families, Jason, come back to the mortgage company saying they need to refinance now because they're, they're getting a divorce or, or they're, they're in crazy amounts of debt and they need to be rescued out of it now because initially the first mortgage that was done for them was bad and it wasn't in their best interest. Right. I just got like, man, this is, this can't happen. And, and I wanted to create a place where people could get their finances handled the right way, whether they knew it or not. And there I am in college deciding to uh, now, instead of just majoring in business or majoring in Christian ministries, I decided to double major and add a different major of, of business administration. And I create this business plan for kind of what stewardship is today. I wanted to create a place, again, where everybody could get their finances handled the best way possible, whether they knew it or not. It was just an eye-opening moment or kind of realization that our society has no idea what they're doing with money, and that sucks, and they need wise advisors to help them with that, and I want to be those widest advisors. Um, nice. And so I got out of college. Uh, after graduating, I presented this business plan to my boss, the guy who told me and taught me the mortgage industry, and he says, Grant, that's really cool, man. But I can't do that. Otherwise, I won't make money. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to do it. And he gave me his blessing. And um, right out of college, I started the mortgage company. And a couple years later, added the insurance agency. And a couple years after that, out of the financial planning, then the investment management. And now there's still more to come here at Stewardship. But that's, that's, that's how we got where we're at. Dude, dude, great, great story. Very well laid out. Preston Schmidley's was like 47 minutes. And there was times I was dozing off. 
<laughs> I mean, but no, I, I joke with him because he's my man. But that was good stuff, dude. That was uh, that was good. Learned so much. I mean, I'm over here taking notes because I always take notes. And yours, I just have so many, so much. There's so much to unpack here. So much to unpack. Isn't it crazy how how adversity in life, especially at a young age, when at the time that you don't realize you're going through adversity, sometimes your biggest moldings of who you are going forward is happening, right? It's like people can listen to your story of, of when you were younger and, your, and, and say to themselves, like, how does anything good come out of that? And I totally can see it and I can, and I can totally feel it. So there's, there's, there's two different types of people in the world, I think. There's, there's these people who have a mother and father who will have some kind of substance or some kind of drug abuse or um, maybe it's even eating, right? Some kind of, of, of addiction or some kind of that. And when they come through as adults, they're either totally against it or they fall right into the same pattern. Very rarely do you usually see somebody in the middle when there's serious substance abuse in the house. And it seems as if you chose one way versus where someone would choose the other. What would you think was why that was? And I want to ask you that, okay? But I also want to say, do all your other brothers and sisters follow along the same line of of Christianity and, and trying to do good in the world. Just, just being curious, just curious. You know, it's funny. I don't know what it is about me, but for some reason, I've always been able to look at other people and learn from the things they're doing, whether it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. And just been really perceptive and, and a critical thinker that again, even from a young age, I totally just remember thinking through and watching people do things and saying, Oop, don't do that thing. Right. Okay. So the alcohol, for me, to this date, I've never had alcohol. I mean, if you don't count the times where I snuck a sip of it when my dad asked me to go get him one out of the fridge, right? Right. And and the reason why is because I believed that that addiction ran in my family, that it was in my blood. So much so, Jason, that as I'm talking right now, my mouth is watering when I uh, think about beer, even though I've never had it. So to, wow. to me, I'm like, oh, that's dangerous. Grant, you probably shouldn't do that thing because then you might make some of the same choices your parents made. So I, I, that's but Grant, I don't stay other people it. think that? Don't you think that other people think that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. And and it's not like I think alcohol is evil or it's bad. Like I don't have no, a problem right. with it. But, right. but I've just said for me personally, I, I, I don't think it's wise for, for me uh, based on what I just shared with you. I'm so, fascinated by it, Grant. I'm fascinated by Nicholas is another example. Our president is, is another example. And, and I'm fascinated because it's probably, in my opinion, one of the hardest things to do, especially with the culture and the society we live in that, well, I don't want to say cherishes it, but, you know, promotes it to be the type of lifestyle you want to be. This is what success is having friends. This is what it's like to be at a party, right? Those those things. And then for you to I've just I, I really admire and respect those the, the people that have have been able to follow that line. And once again, they usually come from people who had substance abuse at home. And I'm fascinated with that understanding. I need to talk to Malcolm Gladwell. He'll probably he probably could do some book on it, you know, about why that is. Yeah, you know, I, and and even growing up, I, I 
my brothers and myself, we all had, and my sisters, like we, we all had the same opportunities and my, our parents literally couldn't, ca- could care less if we drank, you know, especially mm-hmm. if we were in high school. And that's just a part of the culture in high school in the United States. And they knew that because they partake, took in it and they c- couldn't care if we partook in it either. They just wanted us to be safe, you know, don't drive or whatever else. Mm-hmm. But I still didn't engage in it because again, I was, I think I was scared. Uh, but then beyond the scared, I saw like people making really dumb choices in yeah. the midst of that. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to make those choices. And it was a little easier for me too. Like, I'd love to say like I was super smart and can take all the credit for it. But another piece of my upbringing is that I was a very, very late bloomer. Like in high school, I was five, three and weighed less than a hundred pounds. I mean, Jason, I was the guy wow. that, that like, I finally got guts to ask a girl to homecoming. And right after I asked her to homecoming, the other guy, some other guys picked me up and put me in a trash can. And it's that <laughs> same girl who I asked to homecoming, who's pulling me out of the trash can and says, are you okay? You know? So yeah, I, I just, I just wasn't that cool kid. I didn't hang out with, with people that the people that I hung out with, I hung out with at church or, or, gotcha. um, you know, so I just found, different groups that didn't value that, that didn't value that type of thing. And it was actually very easy for me because I didn't fit in with uh, the groups that valued that stuff. It, it wasn't gotcha. like a, a super hard choice for me where I was having to resist all this temptation and everything else because personally, it, it didn't seem wise and I didn't want to do that. And then also because of kind of who I was as a kid at the time, no one was like really pressuring me to do it. So yeah, I, I, I can't take a ton of credit for it. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. So my two sisters, we we grew up, my loyal listeners know, we had butter and crackers, margarine and crackers a lot at times. We just really did. So we had that, that, that life. One of the things that I've noticed about people who go through adversity when they're younger is how strong they can be when they're older. And my two sisters are a living example of it. Both of my sisters are, um, when I call very successful, they are good people in society who work hard. Yes, they have good jobs and make decent to very good money. But like one of my sisters, uh, my second sister, Andra, she runs Casey's uh, gas station. And it's a gas chain here that is a really, really nice gas chain. And she's in control of like five of them. And she's out of the 300 and some locations, her locations are literally in the top 20. And that's just the type of person she is, you know, because she got in there and she mastered it and she knows how to treat people. And, 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 and once again, she knows her asset is people, my youngest sister, same way. And I, and I attribute it a lot to, I mean, I've had people say coming from the background you had, Jason, my other family will say, I'm really, really surprised the way you and your sisters turned out. I'm curious, is it that way with you? I understand that 
I mean, once again, my sisters are not like NBA basketball stars or rocket scientists, but I know that their work ethics there and their style is there. Did you find that with your other six brothers and sisters? You know, my other brothers and sisters all, all have made different choices. I think, to be honest with you, myself included, if all of us look back at our childhood, we can say that, yeah, it was different and there were some tough times, but it wasn't that bad. You know, like that's right. kind of how I think about it. And that's my perspective. That's all of their perspective as well. And as a result, they've all grown up to, they're all married, have children or are doing awesome things at their place of employment or making an impact in their area of their community. I mean, we've all had ups and downs because like our parents were messed up too. Like everybody has their, makes their mistakes and has their vices and is sinful and selfish in some way. People, your listeners probably have never heard the story about me. I probably have zero idea of my background. And the reason is from my perspective, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Correct. But now I'm starting to learn to share it uh, because other people think that like, oh, Grant, well, you have a mortgage company, insurance agency, you're an Inc. 5000 fastest growing company in America. You're doing the investment management thing. You're an author. You've got all this stuff. You probably like grew up with money, you know, and, and right. you, you were you were given this stuff or had a great head start. I could never do that, you know. So I share the background with people in hopes that people would, would relate with it so that mm-hmm. they don't believe that lie of I could never do. Because if a kid who grew up on a farm like I'm not super smart. People think I'm crazy intelligent. I, I'm not. I didn't go to Harvard, right? I, I I grew up kicking cow patties on the farm for fun. That was my entertainment. That's not a very smart kid, you know. So like I, 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 I'm I'm not special. There's not you know what I do and how I did it. My hope is that people would listen to that story and be like, shoot, I had, I had it better than that, or I can relate with that. I can do it too, you know. And my mm-hmm. brothers and sisters, you know, asking about them, like they 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 kind of view our childhood together. To be honest with you, my sisters, when they hear me talk about my childhood on podcasts or on different things like that, when I get asked about it, they sometimes get irritated. They're like, Grant, you're making it out like we're, we had like this really, really rough life and we were, you know, our parents like beat us and they hated us. And I'm like, no, that's like not true at all. It, well, again, my parents like loved me and I knew that. There was no right. doubt about that. And that was extremely important. My mom is one of the most amazing women on the planet. And the things that she has had to go through in her life and how she handled all the things that she went through, man, yes, my father made some poor choices and he was incarcerated for a time. But like, my dad, I've learned so much from that guy. He is unbelievable in social settings. You can put him in a room with a whole bunch of strangers. And by the time you walk out, you'll be best friends with him. He's right. an amazing man. And I, so my my brothers and sisters, and we all just kind of look at it the same way. It's like, yeah, it was weird. We had some tough stuff, but no big deal, you know? And right. we just kind of, you just move forward, right? You, you don't let those things um, impact you too, too, too poorly, too negatively and have each of myself, my brothers and sisters had some problems, had some issues. Is, was, was counseling needed from time to time? Were there, were there demons that we had to kind of face and fight through, including, but not limited to alcoholism for some of them? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. There, there was some of that, but to us, that's just kind of like, well, life happens and that's part of life and you just work through it, uh, and, and figure it out. So, yeah. That's right. That's life. And you just work through it and you figure it out. So with, with uh, stewardship, so you are a uh, one of the fastest growing companies in America. You do have um, your book. You have your culture course. You have a lot going on. 
But talk about what you let off with, with your people. That's the people. That's where you say that you feel as if where your success has come from. And talk about these people that you have in your office. Give us, give us, a, give us a visual of who's in your office. Yeah, I have the highest producers in the country and they work for me. And it is unbelievably amazing. I get to be on this mission of trying to love people through finances trying to make a positive impact in our community through financial services with some of the coolest people on the planet. And I get to come to work every day with these people. And it's one of the greatest privileges of my life. I absolutely love it. Jason, I, I thought that I wanted to retire at the age of 35 and just be done working and hang out and do some other things. But I don't know if I'll ever stop working because I find so much stinking joy in managing and discipling and loving my team because they're just amazing people and it's an honor uh, to serve them and so that they can serve our community through finances. I, lo I love them. They're great people. What does discipling mean? Uh, so I want to make the people that work here, I want to make their employment not just a job where they get a check. Uh, I think employment is one of the greatest ways to make an impact on somebody's life. Yes, through the, the income, that, that's a big mm -hmm. deal. But if the people who work here aren't becoming better people, better spouses, better parents, better members of their society, uh, then what's the point? That's I right. want the, their job here to make an amazing positive impact on their life and literally make them better people. I want them to, to selflessly sacrifice on a daily basis to meet this mission. And as we do that, they'll learn more about themselves. They'll learn more about others and they'll grow and they'll change to become better people. So that's, that's part of what discipling is through, through their employment here. I love that. I love that. I love that. Culture is a big thing to you. I think that culture is easier to talk about today than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. It was the it was the word that you would mention and people's eyes would roll back in their head and they're like, oh my God, there we go with this culture and thing. But you, in my opinion, and a few others, but you put it together into a course that just all disclosure, I I, I haven't I have I do not know your course. And to loyal listeners, I have not purchased his course. But I am very good friends with Nicholas Ayers, I'm very good friends um, with some of the people who have the course, and I've seen behind the screens and seen some of the, the videos individually, and they're very, very impressive. They're very, very well done, very professionally well done. But that, So that's why I'm, we're not here to sell that. that. I want the loyal listeners off. If you want to buy it, please, Grant. I think it'll make your agency better. But what I want to talk about when it comes to your culture and how you're looking at it, it's part of what the discipling that you just talked about. But when you're talking to your to your team and you want them to know the culture of your agency, which they do, and you want the 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 people outside your agency to know the type of culture, what are those core values or whatever you want to call it, those three or four things that they want that you want to be no stewardship to be known for? What are those? So our unified purpose is to love people through finances. So when people think about us, I want them to think about love. But whenever people think about us, I also want them to think about wisdom, to know that we're wise advisors. Mm -hmm. Yes, we care about you, but we're really smart. We know what the heck we're doing. And our character traits of, you know, when you say, okay, you're going to love people through finances, neat, Grant, but how do you really do that? We do that with, with four words or three other words. One of them is with humility. 
Okay, we have to put other people's needs ahead of our own. Um, and, and humility is a huge requirement if you want to serve people well. And you cannot have a business fundamentally. You can't have a business without serving people. Like that's what a business is. The best way to serve people is with humility. So that's a big deal. We do it with transparency. We don't, we don't lie. We don't hide things. And we educate like crazy. We peel back the curtain on the Wizard of Oz on a daily basis. Um, and sometimes that can be overwhelming to a consumer. So that's why it's important for us to do it with, with innovation. We have to be innovative. Uh, we have to have the really, really great copy, really great language, really, really savvy with how we speak, um, but also the best of the best technology and experiences. So for us, that's how we we love people through finances, with innovation, with humility. You know, th- those those things are very important to us as as character traits here on, on how we do that. So hold on. So you just said something about you use the word script. So what does that mean? Do you have scripted conversations or do you run through a script with your staff so that they know the general direction of what you're wanting? What does that mean, script? One of the first things that I do when I hire people is I take them through our brand handbook. And our brand handbook talks about, you know, yes, the colors and the font and the logo, but it tells a story about how that logo came together. It tells a story about why we use that particular font. And everything points to our unified purpose. Everything, everything that we do here at our office, from the smallest little task to the smallest little uh, image, sound, anything, if it doesn't align with our purpose, we don't do it. So right from the beginning, I'm indoctrinating those who come into our culture to to know that everything is very intentional and we're going to do things that align with our purpose. And in that brand handbook, we also talk about copy and scripting. These are the words that we use. This is why we use these words. Uh, these are the words we don't use. This is why we don't use these words. And I don't tell them, you have to say the sentence exactly this way. I give people freedom and I trust them, uh, but I give them a framework to follow. Uh, so gotcha. that's that's very important. Dude, that's good stuff. That is, uh, I like that. That goes along with, I think, would you not agree that a lot of this stuff you probably know and you teach other people know they just don't put it together in an organized fashion and communicate it well to their staff. Am I right or wrong about that? Yeah, I think that's that's true. So many things about company culture and, and making a company culture awesome, a lot of people already know. And whenever you organize it and you present it in a way that they're like, oh, yeah, that just totally makes sense, right? I mean, at first, people are going to maybe push it off depending on their upbringing or what's going on. You know, something like... Um, it, when you say you have to have an awesome company culture, like you said, they might brush it off because they think it's all unicorns and kombucha on tap and beanbags. Like that's not what makes up a company culture. Company culture is the character traits that lead to the actions you're taking. If you don't focus on those character traits, then who, what's leading to the actions that your team is taking, right? And you want to make sure those actions are as awesome and as efficient and as impactful as possible. My kind of framework, and this is what I put in the book, is that money is important. It's a motivating thing, but all too often... And we're led to believe as business owners and managers that money's the most important thing, but it's not. There's three other things that are more important to that. And this is proven over and over and over again in study after study after study that the human brain desires and seeks and wants freedom. They want freedom and autonomy, affirmation and mastery of a craft. They want to be good at something and they want to know if they're doing it right. And they want to be doing work and doing things that matter. They want to have a purpose. And more importantly than just a purpose, a purpose where they have to give and selflessly sacrifice with other people that unifies them together. So 
It's, it's a purpose with a community of people. Those three things are way more motivating than money. And at first glance, you might say, no, Grant, I've had people that leave me because I couldn't pay them enough, right? That's the number one thing I see all the time in some of these Facebook groups is like, oh, what are you guys paying your staff? Because they think they have to pay in accordance to what everybody else is paying. That's wrong. Jason, everybody on my staff could get paid more if they did the exact same thing somewhere else and they all know it. But my retention's unbelievable. You know, right. it, like it, it, it's not true. If you give them the other things, freedom, affirmation, and a purpose, then they stay with you. And not only do they stay with you, but they outperform their peers. So pr- proof of that is this. People who, who think that all they want is money, well, what do they want the money for? Let's get deeper into it, Jason. Oh, oh, they, they want the money so they can go on vacations when they want. Or they want the money so they can retire well. Well, that's freedom they're, they're seeking, really. That's, that's, right. that's autonomy. Oh, well, they want the money so that they can buy a really nice car or, or a big house. Well, they're, they're seeking affirmation. They want other people to think they're successful, right? Or, mm-hmm. or, or maybe they want the money so they can provide for their family or, or, or they can give money to this philanthropic endeavor. Well, that's, that's a purpose. So they're, they're using the money for those three things. And employers, managers, and leaders who, yes, provide money because, again, it's important, but, but recognize it's only the fourth most motivating thing. But then also intelligently weave freedom, affirmation, and a purpose that unifies the team. They intentionally weave those three things into the company culture. Those are the people that have winning company cultures. Those are the people that have high-performing teams that are not, that'll last for a long time. I heard Simon Sinek say something the other day that uh, I have to take. I have to admit, took me back and uh, took me so much that I actually got on the phone and called Ryan Hanley and told it to him. And, and something that Simon said, which I thought was interesting, he said something to processes are the lack of a good culture and good leadership or something like that. He said, because, and it's in his newest book, and he was talking about the fact that processes shouldn't be what drives your agency or or drives your business and how things are done. It shouldn't be because this is the process. I don't think he's literally saying there should be no ABC. I mean, obviously you got to do things in a workflow. But he was saying that a lot of owners and managers try to rely upon the process to be the success of the employees. And I think that process is, is vital, but I do get what he's trying to say here is that, you know, that that it's not it should be the culture that drives. What did you say? I can't remember. It's your saying and it's great. You said about the character drives the actions or something like that. Correct. Yeah, it's the character traits um, and the character of your team and the character of your your company, your ethos that drive the actions. And and what you're getting to and based on what Simon says Simon Sinek said is 100% accurate for my agency. We have 24 employees. Again, Inc. 5000, fastest growing company in America. We'll probably win that award. We might even be Inc. 500 company this year based on the year we had last year. We're doing very, very, very well. And people are unbelievably baffled and surprised about the processes that we don't have. Like people are wondering, oh, what's your process and system for like goals and like accountability or whatever else? And, and, so much of that stuff we don't even have written down, you know? And there are right. a lot of, lot of companies and organizations and people out there that like, you know, you'll go to them and, you know, fly to their company and they'll help you get all this stuff written down and all these things put on paper and all that's great. But if you don't have the other stuff first, if you don't have a leadership uh, uh, who's created a mission that the team is on, 
If you don't have freedom weaved into every part of your, your, your culture, if people feel enslaved when they're working for you, if you're not affirming your team to let them know if they're doing it right or if they're doing it wrong, if you're not developing them to be masters of their craft, you know, if you're not doing those things, you're not going to win anyways. Your processes and systems aren't going to be followed. You know, they're not going to be followed with everything that they've got. So I 100% agree with with what you're saying there. So much so that it's true of, of, of my agency and my company. So what is, uh, what's Grant doing in the age of 47? Man, hopefully at the age of 47, uh, I'm giving even more high fives at the office than I'm giving now. The impact that our company that is making is uh, greater than it is right now. Uh, that even more people in our society and in our country are being loved through finances. That some of the tertiary impact and and that I'm trying to make through helping other business owners is is continuing to grow as well. But yeah, man, I what's your what's your impact on society? And when you're 47, what do you, what do you what have you not done that you say you know when the time is right, I'm going to do this or something maybe you're working on right now? What's that next big impact? That next big thing? you think you'll be made by the time you're 47? Well, I have two, I'd, I'd say. One, uh, personally, uh, my kids, uh, I would hope by the time I'm, they're, I'm 47, they are people that are also making an impact on society and on the nice. community. Kind of my mission statement in life, and, and which leads to the mission statement in my work and mission statement in my family, just it's all about love, right? I really want to make sure that I am loving others and putting people, other people's needs ahead of my own. My hope is that my kids are raised in that way. Um, another part of the person, uh, the, the the personal piece is my, my brother-in-law is, is actually handicapped. He was in an accident when he was 11 years old. Um, so he's brain injured. Um, so hopefully when I'm 47, I'm, I'm spending even more time with him and uh, allowing my mother and father-in-law to um, do less of the caretaking for him. And gotcha. uh, me and my family get to hang out with him a little bit more. But I'd say professionally, um, the uh, sheer number of people that are being loved through finances, the the households that don't have to stress about finances the households that aren't getting a divorce because of finances, the households that have parents who have amazing relationships with their kids because they have don't don't stress about finances, that number is dramatically increasing. And that there's a stat out there right now, Jason, that basically nine out of every 10 employees does not give their best at work. That's a real thing. This was a stat wow. by, by Deloitte, right? So legit company. And, and when I say that, it sounds wow, like you said, but if you really think about it, anybody who's a manager or leader listening to that probably can say, yeah, I can see that. You know, they know that. They've experienced no, that. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So my hope is by the time I'm 47, that stat's turned around. That only one out of every 10 isn't given their best. Because to me, it's just plain wrong that employees aren't given their best. Wrong to the, to the employer. Because the employer, the employer deserves better because employment is a really, really big deal. And it's a blessing that employees need to really take advantage of. But it's also wrong from the employee's perspective that managers and leaders are still trying to motivate people with money. They try to squeeze the most out of people like it's an orange, you know, rather than having their hand open and doing their best to provide the right framework and the right culture to these people. And my hope is that um, I'm able to help other business owners. Uh, so much so that that stat gets turned around. So that nine out of every 10 employers and employee relationships are ones that 
have high producing people. Because guess what, Jason? When we have awesome people in our country doing awesome things for small businesses and bigger businesses, it makes a huge impact on our country and on our world. And I think it's a big deal. You do think it's a big deal and you live it every day. Grant, leaders are readers and readers are leaders and you definitely are a leader. So I know you're a reader. What are you reading right now? Oh man. So there are a couple of books that I like to read every single year. So it's still towards the beginning of the year and I'm getting through some of those. Uh, One of my favorites is Emotional Intelligence 2.0. It's a really, really good book that teaches how to be more self-aware and aware of others. I'm not a huge fan of personality tests for a lot of different reasons, but I'm a huge fan of emotional intelligence and just awareness of yourself and awareness of others. So that's one that I like to read every year because I think it's so good and it's a good practice to kind of get through and can be convicting at times. Uh, Obviously, I'm a Christian and believer. A very small book that I like to try to read through every year is uh, Business for the Glory of God. It basically shows and dispels this myth that so many people in our society have that vocational ministry is more important than regular work, and that's not true at all. And that there's an opportunity that when you work, uh, you, you can and you will have the opportunity to make a huge impact on people, but also it's a great opportunity to make work worship. It sounds really weird, but that's kind of what I do every day when I go into the office. It's an opportunity to worship and, and give my best. Uh, so that's what I do. And then I'm always trying to get better at different things, uh, including but not limited to my speaking. So there's a book by Grant Baldwin out there called The Successful Speaker, and I'm in the middle of that and then I'm reading that one as well. So Grant Baldwin is somebody that I'm following more and getting to know more, and I really like him. And then the last one is Michael Hyatt. I'm a huge fan of him and some of his practices. He just came out with a book called The Vision Driven Leader. So reading that as well. So yeah. You know what? Truth be known, secret out. Grant, I, I tell you, so many of my friends tell me I've read two of Michael Hyatt's books. And I had to struggle through the other one. I can read every other book. I mean, I'm an avid reader, 20, 30 a year. And I am telling you, he just doesn't do it for me. I've watched his videos. I've done everything I can. And he just doesn't do it for me. But he's really good. You know, he helps a lot of people. He's got some great insight. I was just talking about this the other day with um, Mike Crowley. Mike Crowley. Thank you. Holy cow. And it's talking to him because he was reading a, um, a Michael Hyatt book. But but anyways, Grant, I definitely I, I I we greatly appreciate you coming on. I mean, you you have been really great. And if someone wants to reach out to you, how are they going to reach out to you? Because they will believe me. You know, the best way to reach out to me is on Instagram. I am daily posting on Instagram, but I'm also daily doing Instagram stories where I'm either talking about finances in some way, talking about leadership, company culture, or even talking about parenting. Uh, so Instagram, my Instagram handle is at Grant Botma. So you can follow me there. Uh, my profile is public. I respond to pretty much every direct message I get on there. Uh, so I'm very, very active there. And that's probably the best way for folks to to reach out to me is on Instagram. And if you're not on Instagram, why not? It's super fun. And it's a very uh, passive. I like it better than Facebook, but yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. And just a, a, a side note on, on on Michael Hyatt. So Michael Hyatt is actually one of those mentors that I have. Um, I'm actually leaving to Nashville to spend some time with him and his business accelerator or business coaching this weekend. Mm-hmm. And he self-admittedly has struggled with humility. So sometimes when he teaches, it's just like he thinks he used to think like he had it all together and he kind of came across that way. And over the Mm -hmm. years, he's, he's realized like, man, I need to 
be more humble whenever I present and when I teach and when I speak. And he's kind mm-hmm. of an older dude. And you're right. I don't think he does it for a lot of people. But I would encourage a lot of anybody and everybody, if you're a business owner, to think through and read about, and you can find it everywhere, his ideal week. The ideal week is where you kind of plan out what you want your week to be on a schedule scheduling. And that's been an unbelievable game changer for me. And I'm actually working on like this freebie that I just want to give to people because I get asked for it all the time. Like, Grant, you do so much crap. Like, what does your schedule look like? So I'm going to put together and publish my schedule and just give it to people. And one of the biggest things I'm going to give in that is what my ideal week is of what I want to do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way through, right? And um, it's been a game changer for me. And and I, I, I know that if people lean into and read about and study Michael Hyatt's Ideal Week and do their best to apply it, it will be a game changer for them as well. I have not read that one. And I'm telling you that, Grant. I will I will pick that up and read that because I'll take your word for it. And like I said, he's not bad and I, I like him. I just, it just did this one of those things. Um, uh, G- Gary V is another one of those guys. Yeah, he's I, for I know, me too. I struggle with Gary V. I really do. I, and people hate I, that when I tell them that. I know, I know. And and really that's a bad comparison because Michael Hyatt is like on a different level than that. It's just uh, I have my reasons. He just he just doesn't do it for me. And not only that, I, I really feel as if like like Gary V knows like 20 things and he just chops it up into 5,000 different videos and just mm-hmm. tells you the same thing over and over. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Gary V does his thing. He's successful. He's great. We're yeah. all successful in sure. our own way. And that's yeah. the way it is uh, that we need people and him in the world to bring awareness to some of those things. So then people like Graham Botma can actually say, this is how you really apply it. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's the difference. There's a difference between those who sit out there and talk and those who don't. Grant, appreciate your time very much, man. Everybody, loyal listeners, reach out to him, even if you don't reach out to him, because I mean, don't just waste his time. But I mean, if you see him out there, if you're, he's always at the IAOA event, I can't get him to come to brain share for all you people who attend every year. I, I tell you this, I invite him. He's big time. He hangs out with Michael <laughs> Hyatt. It's tough. Okay. Nicholas is always there upset when people start asking about Grant because he's like, I know I try to bring him, you know, and it's there. Anyway, so uh, great. Hey, listen, Appreci- listen. Appreciate all you do. I, I, I'm, I, uh, I'm just like a normal uh, person like anybody else. Sure, I got a lot of stuff going on, but I'm, I'm happy to attend any event that, that people would put together. I think yeah. I was trying to go last year, but it overlapped with something else. So I'll, I'll make sure after I get off this call, I'll look into it again to see if I can come down and hang out with people. Going to events is one of my favorite things and, and doing my best to just shake hands with people, listen to their stories and learn from them, but um, also see what I can do to share my mistakes and failures so that people can learn learn from me um, yeah. is, is something that I'm, I'm excited and happy to do. So Jason, well, thanks for having me on, man. This is, was a... Uh, honestly very different than than i expected uh as mm-hmm. you said it was just like a conversation and it was a lot of fun i'm interviewed on a lot of podcasts uh and uh, this was different than anything else i've ever been on and i want to commend you for that uh hopefully I, I see why you have loyal listeners i see why you have uh a following that that you do because of your your gift you're gifted at this man and wow. uh, i'm grateful that. and thankful that, that you so. would uh, allow me to experience the gift in this way so thank you well, yeah, that's fantastic. I, I greatly appreciate that. Grant, the um, the pureness runs in your voice. The pureness. There, there's no better word than that four letters, pure. 
Mm. It really truly is. It, it comes through in everything that you say and you do. And even for the little time that the little listeners have got to know you, we've got to know you well. And thank you very much for the compliment. That's what I try to do. I want to take us in a different direction. I want us to think about the things sometimes that we don't necessarily think about outside the office. I want to realize that in one of the things that I try to do when I started Agents Influence was I wanted to make your family better. I wanted to make your agency better. I wanted to make your life better because that's going to change, you know, a lot of things and aspects. And that's what I've that's what I've tried to do. Where I came with agency intelligence, though, was to do what I got with you was to bring that outside, but bring it inside to see how stewardship was created but also how stewardship stays afloat and where stewardship is going. And with you as the helm and the people that you're attracting and the culture you've set up, definitely envious, uh, definitely gives us hope to say that no matter how good we are, we can always do better. Um, I also believe that, Grant, you're a man of faith, and I believe that that has been 100% the reason why you are where you are. What you said at the end was so cool, is about how you worship your your job and and my pastor talks about that like if this is a if this is a god given thing right if the money that you earn was given to you by god if you if you believe that and and most christians do and that if my job was given to me well then i need to treat it as if something that god gave me so as you said when you work it's a form of worship to you mm-hmm. and uh, i thought that was really really cool that really came mm-hmm. out and i, I like that a lot so so thank you for your time. Thank you. Appreciate it very much, man. Yeah, man. All you loyal listeners, I, what I do, I do it for you. Tell me your thoughts. Tell me your ideas. And I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass with Agency Intelligence Podcast. Today, I had a real agent, Grant, inside of a real agency, stewardship, giving you the real agency intelligence on culture and life and just being a damn good person. So that is the real agency intelligence and not the artificial that they try to make you believe out there. This was Cass and he was Batma and we are out. Hey agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is. To, to fix a problem, the first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 
carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast Certified.